I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning and welcome to the Garden Hotline. Uh, No, I'm not Mike Miller. I'm Brian Kelly, and I am sitting in with Tim Gamma. He is a co-owner of Gamma Tree Experts. They've been in business a long time. They know their stuff, and they are here to help you with your questions. Uh, Tim is a horticulturist, board-certified master arborist, and the chair of the Tree Care Industry Association. And, Tim, those trees right now are covered with wet snow. (laughs) <laughs> they are, but it's a very uh, light snow, so I don't anticipate any uh, damage or any limb breakage given the expected snow accumulation today. Well, that sounds good. Now, you just came in before we get to the garden part of the hotline. Let's. You just came in uh, from where? West St. Louis County, I'm assuming? Yeah, Chesterfield. Chesterfield. And how was the drive in? Uh, you had to go slow on, on Highway 40 and, you know, take it easy. I did see one car spin out along in the Ladue area along mm-hmm. Highway 40, but... Most people are behaving themselves and driving uh, slowly. Okay. So earlier when I came in, and that was like 4 o'clock in the morning, it was just wet. And for most of the morning, we haven't had too many problems. But now we are starting to see the slush and the slick. So uh, do be careful out there. And as things pop up, we will pass them along here on the garden hotline. So, Tim, what are the the top things uh, at this time of year, especially when it comes to the trees, that, that people should know about? Well, typically in a winter, we we have a lot of storm damage issues. However, this winter has been extremely mild. Uh, This is about the first blast of snow we've had all season. So there's really been no issues as far as storm damage to trees. Uh, But the wintertime is a terrific time to uh, look at your trees carefully or have an arborist look over your trees because uh, the leaves obviously aren't in the canopy and you can actually make an assessment of the trees uh, visually uh, very well, given the uh, the lack of leaves, and you can see the whole structure of the tree. So this is a good time of year to to have your trees uh, analyzed, uh, or you know, make good observations yourself and see if you need the assistance of an arborist to assist you with your tree care needs. And if you need an assistance from an arborist right now, you can give us a call at four three six seven nine hundred or. Again, uh, Tim is a horticulturist and a board-certified master arborist. So I know this time of year a lot of people do have questions about what they can do with their trees and their other making their plans for gardening in the spring. I know I mentioned to Matt earlier, Matt Benz, our 
weather guy that when it's 52 degrees on Tuesday, I plan on getting out and picking up some dead tree limbs that have fallen during storms and maybe doing a little uh, just looking around, getting some ideas for the garden in the spring. I guess it's it's never too early to feel optimistic and uh, and look out at the garden and make some plans. That's right. It's You know, the weather's been so mild that I think a lot of people have taken the opportunity to, you know, clean up areas of the yard that they might put off until March or April and uh, mulching and, and other cultural practices. So uh, given the weather, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, yard work that's been accomplished the last couple of months. Mm. How does the snowfall affect things? Is that a, is that kind of a good thing for gardens, do you think? Uh, snowfall is always uh, a real good thing for trees, shrubs, evergreens, any outdoor plants, because the snow accumulates on the soil, and then it it melts into the soil very slowly, so you really get a better distribution of moisture into the soil uh, layer around the, around the root systems of trees and shrubs. Uh, when we don't have much snowfall as we are this year so far, uh, it can be pretty dry. And actually, we were very dry because uh, we really didn't get any appreciable rain or snow in November and December. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to some issues with plants uh, being too dry. So fortunately, we got, you know, last week we had some rainfall and then we had rainfall before the snow came last night and into this morning. So this is going to help with the uh, moisture content in the soil. All right, that's good to know because we don't want to dry it out. That's for sure. It'll take a little pressure off of us in the spring maybe getting out there with the hose. That's right. That is Tim Gamma. He is the co-owner of Gamma Tree Experts, 436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. The number's to call here on the Garden Hotline. And we are going to take your calls in just a moment. It is 812. Give us a call. Get in line at 436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. 11:20 on KMOX. It's 8:17. Tim Gamma is in. I'm Brian Kelly. Mike Miller is off this week, and Tim Gamma is the co-owner of Gamma Tree Experts. We both grew up in North County, talking about Chainer Rocks Park a little bit, reminiscing on the old days up in up in Doco. That's right. Good stuff. It is 8:18. Let's talk about plants and trees, etc. Let's talk about those with. Tom in Collinsville. Tom, you are on with Tim Gamma here on the Mike Miller Show. Your question or comment, please. Tom, are you there? Apparently, Tom is not there. So let's go to Mary in Creve Core and see if she is on the line with us. Mary, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm just fine. I have questions about trees. You have called the right place. (laughs) Good. First of all, I want to know about a black gum. I want to know if uh, in a normal, say, yard situation, if the... uh, it has knees, I think they call them, when the roots come up out of the ground near a tree, like uh, uh, many trees, like wetland trees do. Okay, so on a black gum, sometimes referred to as a sour gum, depending on which common name you want to use, uh, it, is a, it is a tree that tolerates wet soil conditions, and that's where its native habitat is. Uh, it has beautiful fall color. Uh, typically right. red, um, but it does not have uh, the knees you're referring to are on another uh, wetland tree called a cypress tree, a bald cypress, and they are the typical ones that have the knees that pop up. And sometimes in a homeowner setting, unless you have a, a low area that you're trying to naturalize, 
if you have a regular lawn situation, the knees can be a nuisance when, especially when trying to mow your lawn, because the knees kind of pop up into the grass and become an issue with the mowing. Uh, but right. back back to the black gum. Uh, the black gum's kind of considered one of any horticulturist one of their favorite trees because it's uh, it's a it's a clean tree. It doesn't really get any insect or disease issues. It's a native tree. It has beautiful fall color. It grows to about a medium size. It doesn't get extremely large. Uh, terrific uh, shade tree for the for the landscape. Um, there is a variety. There's several new varieties. One's called Wildfire, and there's a couple other varieties that are superior in their fall color. So uh, if you're going to plant a black gum tree, uh, rather than just get the native one that grows in the woods, there are some cultivated varieties uh, that are known for their superior fall color, and uh, you're probably better off choosing one of those uh, just to have a, a, a nicer uh, show in, in, the, in the autumn part of the season. Well, now my other option for my spot are the deciduous holly, uh, magnolias, Say like the the girl series. Uh, I think there's one Elizabeth that has yellow on it, and and maybe little Jim. What can you tell me about the hardiness of those trees in this area, and are do they bloom about the same time as star magnolias? Uh, some of the Anne series, uh, they have Anne series. Uh, they have, uh, and I'm saying Anne. They're they're. Uh, their uh, ladies' names yeah. uh, that are, uh, and those seem to be pretty hardy and done pretty well. The little gem, I believe, is more of a southern magnolia type, and it, it blooms more in the summer. And I've seen little gem do well, but I've also seen little gem uh, get winter burned in some severe winters. So you may, uh, I, I believe I even planted a little gem in my own yard, and it, it didn't make it after one severe winter uh, you know, killed it. So uh, some of the other magnolias are, are a little hardier. Um, the, uh, I'm not quite sure the, um, if it's a real wet area that magnolia is a, a great choice. Uh, the deciduous hollies, however, uh, they do tolerate, um, you know, more moisture in the soil and, and a lower area. So that's a good choice. Um, you know, I think I made a mistake. I, would, I meant to ask about the deciduous magnolias. Deciduous magnolias, and that's at, uh, there's Anne and there's quite a few other ones, but the deciduous magnolias is like the star. The saucer magnolias is probably the older one that, that you see in some older neighborhoods or even in the botanical garden or in parks where you'll see a large uh, uh, deciduous magnolia that blooms typically pink in the spring, and, uh, uh -huh. and they get quite large, but a spectacular tree. Um, there's one in the subdivision where I live that uh, that's really a, just a real showstopper when you, when you drive by it in the spring. Uh, but certainly most of those varieties that are deciduous in, uh, in types of magnolias, are, are most of those are all hardy for this area. Um, you can plant southern magnolia, which has the, the glossy green leaf that persists throughout the winter. Um, it, there are some varieties that are more hardy than others, primarily one that's called bracken brown beauty, uh, which is a, a, a good variety and a dependable one. Every once in a while, we will see those get winter burned or even winter killed um, 
on occasion, but for the most part, it's a hardy variety. Uh, but there are several other ones that are that are pretty uh, uh, known for their hardiness for this area, and uh, you could probably choose that from a reputable nursery in, in the area. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm still leaning toward the beauty of the black gum. So you thank really you can't so go, much. go wrong with the black gum again. It, it's always in the top five trees of any horticulturist you ask. You would ask on what to plant because it's uh, you know they they can grow they can be a little on the slow side. Uh, they don't transplant real well, but most of them are available uh-huh. in containers, and so you do not have the transplant shock when you buy a container tree. Uh, but uh, you know typically once they root in, they do take off. I think they grow a little faster than some people uh, uh, believe, especially if you. Keep it watered. Uh, don't let it get water stressed. Keep it mulched and uh, give it some soluble fertilizer. That always speeds up the growth the growth process, and you'll you'll have it will grow quicker than if you just kind of let it take off on its own. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Mary, for calling. The voice you're hearing is Tim Gamma. He's the co-owner of Gamma Tree Experts, and on the air. With him right now is Fred from Creve Corps. Good morning, Fred. We are at your service. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning. Thanks. Thank you for taking my call. It's our pleasure. Well, my first question is about moles. Uh, I, I just I think many many people in our area have had terrible time with moles this summer. It's all through our subdivision. Um, so I'm not alone in that, but uh, I, I can't get rid of them. I, I've used the poison worms. I've used the fertilizer that kills the uh, uh, Grubex. Um, I call Scots, and that's what they, they told me to do those two things. And I think it helps some, but I still, uh, I still have them. I guess they're dormant now, but uh, do you have any ideas about that? So they, the moles are, what, the bane of every homeowner's uh, <laughs> 
the, the, no one no one cares for the poor mole. You know, the mole doesn't get any credit for anything because everybody hates the mole. And they're but, ugly. <laughs> they are, but but they are the Dickens once they get into your your yard and tear it up, tear up your nice lawn and so forth. Um, I live on mostly a wooded area, but I do have about an acre of lawn, and and they kind of live in that wooded area and they creep in to the lawn area. And so it's a constant uh, effort every year to control the moles. Um, what I've found personally, and, and most of the services, there are several services out there that will provide mole control. Um, they kind of charge by the mole, which is, which is kind of funny. But, um, but they do get rid of it, but it's primarily with the traps. Uh, there is an easy-to-use trap, and once you get proficient at it, uh, you can actually get pretty good at, at uh, controlling the moles on your own if you have the uh, stomach to, you know, actually do one in and then dispose of it. But, uh, but there's a trap that you push in the ground and then you actually step on it with your foot that sets it. Um, there's some spring-loaded spiky kind that I'm not as big of a fan on, but I'm sure there's people out there that are very proficient with that particular type of trap. Uh, but the kind that you just stick in the ground and you step on it, it opens up, it's spring-loaded, opens up these two little scissor mechanisms, and you put that along the mole trail, and then the mole comes through. His, they typically travel the same path, the same trail. So when you see a trail, typically they're going to be running up and down that little trail. And so you set the trap within that trail, and typically um, it's kind of amazing. Sometimes I'll set one in the morning, and on like a Saturday and about an hour later, I've already caught the mole. So, uh, but other times it takes several days, but, uh, that would be my suggestion versus the other, uh, remedies with the fake worms and the other, uh, poisonous, uh, peanuts and that type of thing. Uh, the trap seems to be the more effective way to control the moles. But the biggest thing with moles, you can control one and then somebody else moves in that they're, they're, uh, it's perseverance with, with moles because uh, it's an ongoing uh, issue um, in anybody's landscape in this part of the country. Okay. And should I start setting those in the spring? So that's, that's what I would recommend on that. And set them in the spring? Um, you know, whenever the ground is, uh, whenever you notice the trails, they're active. You know, it's been so mild again this uh, late fall and early winter that, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, I caught a mole, I believe, just like 10 days ago. Really? So I know, which is a little unusual because usually, you know, the ground's frozen, but it's just been so mild, the mole's out there doing his thing. So you can, uh, uh, you can, whenever the soil is moist or whenever you see the fresh-looking little trails that they make that push up the soil, uh, yeah. they're out there, and that's when you want to go ahead and put the trap in. Well, I noticed they, they follow the tree root line, too, uh, like, a, like a, a removed tree. I had it removed about a year ago, and they follow that path of the, of the uh, root going out into the lawn. Yeah, they, they probably do that as well, and it's just, um, again, it's just a matter. You've got to watch putting the trap near a tree root because sometimes the trap won't spring because they get hung up on a tree root instead of the mole. So uh, you want to have kind of a clear area where you set the trap um and it's uh again it's i found it pretty effective and uh they sell these types of traps at most of your uh you know hardware stores in town okay and my second question is about grass um i had a lot of success with grass three four years and then this year 
just terrible weeds, uh, dead spots. Um, I think my fertilizer that I used, maybe I over-fertilized or have used it too much. Um, going forward, what should I what should I do? Should I? I know I probably need to get a soil sample. May need to get a soil sample to see what all is going on with uh, with your particular, you know, landscape. Uh, but um, you maybe do, and this is something. Whenever whenever you drive past someone's home and they got like this gorgeous manicured lawn, uh, they're putting a lot of effort into that, or they're having somebody, they're hiring somebody that does it. And typically, um, a lot of the services, especially, they'll they'll basically renovate or airify and seed a lawn about every year in the spring sometimes or spring and fall. So they're really pouring a lot of grass seed on there and airifying the lawn and then doing applications to the lawn to control the weeds and with uh, fertilizer applications to encourage the uh, growth of the grass. Uh, there's a lot of organic materials out there that can be used uh, if, you, if you don't want to go the chemical route. Uh, typically on weeds, though, you got to kind of put up the white flag and use the chemical control because it's the most effective as far as killing the weeds. Uh, but that can even be done on a spot basis where you're not applying the herbicide over the entire yeah. area of yeah. the lawn. But yeah. you might be, if you've had some dieback issues on some large patches in your lawn, you may have to have the, uh, the lawn renovated uh, with either a service or, or you know, some people rent the airifying machine or, or power rakers, and they'll renovate it themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you have re- recommend uh, any particular service for lawn? Um, there's a lot of terrific ones out there. I tend to like the, uh, the, the companies that the owner is like, like a smaller uh, company where the actual owner is, is there when he's actually doing the renovation or is at least has viewed the property himself um, instead of a national chain. I just think you get a little better service that way and, and a little more uh, hands-on with the person that actually is the most knowledgeable to do the lawn renovation. So you might steer toward, toward those type of companies uh, that are locally owned. Okay, thank you for your information. All right, thank you for the call. Tim Gamma is our guest host this week, the co-owner of Gamma Tree Experts. We're going to take a break, and then we'll take your call at 436-7900-1800-925-1120. Mike Miller is hopefully somewhere sunny and warm today. All I know is he's not here. I am Brian Kelly, and I am just passing along your call to Tim Gamma. He is the co-owner of Gamma Tree Experts. He's a horticulturist board-certified master arborist and chair of the Tree Care Industry Association, the national group. And so he can answer your questions at 436-7900-1800-925-1120, right? I've known those numbers since I was six years old. 1-800-925-1120-436-7900. And Tim, you've, you've known those numbers for a long time too, haven't you? with Cam Wex, listening to Cam Wex and getting ready for grade school. My parents always uh, had it on, and I know my parents have it on right now, and they're listening. They're 86 years old, and uh, my dad started the tree company in 1954, but uh, 
grew up with the smelling a pot of coffee on the stove and cam wax on the radio every morning getting ready for school. No question so, uh, about it. Yeah. Been a long, long, long time cam wax listener. That's neat stuff. Now, how did your, your dad come about starting the company? You know, he, uh, he worked for a company when he was in his teens and uh, he, uh, for about two years and, and got some experience. And then at the, at the old age of 18, he decided to start his own wow. company. So at 18, he started the, the whole uh, business uh, with a pickup truck and a, and a couple of hand tools. And uh, like I say, it all went straight up from there. And uh, just through perseverance and a lot of hard work, uh, and especially with my mother uh, keeping track of the books and everything, it was truly a mom and pop organization. Uh, but, you know, kind of made something out of nothing. And uh, today we have about 65 employees and, you know, uh, uh, a lot of uh, tree care to uh, to get through throughout the metropolitan area. So very proud of that, uh, that he started that in 1954. And, and obviously very happy my parents are still uh, with us today. And, and I know they're listening right now. That's outstanding stuff. And now it's a Tim and Tom organization. Mom and Pop, the Tim and Tom. That's right. My brother Tom uh, and I uh, took over the company about uh, 12 years ago or so and, uh, and just... Uh, have, enlarged it and uh, have had a, a very rewarding careers in in the in the uh, in this industry the arboriculture industry and it takes uh, uh, luckily uh, for both of us we have each other because it'd be it'd be a little difficult to run everyone with just one person so with, we kind of divide and conquer with uh, <laughs> running about half the the uh, half the area with uh, one brother and the other half with, with mm -hmm. myself and and uh, it's worked out very well for us. Good deal. Well, it's good to have you on this morning. That's Tim Gamma and Tom from Collinsville is going to give it another try. Tom, good morning, and you are on KMOX. Hello, Tom. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question. I've, I've been looking for an arborist. I'm out in uh, Redbud, and I can't find anybody, at least by my simple way of looking. But I had a question. We had a pin oak tree in front of the house at, uh, we assume, I'm pretty sure, a lightning strike nearby. We don't see anything like an obvious lightning area, black or burned or anything. But the, the bark of the tree has, like, split open, like, from the ground up about probably eight foot that we can see. And we actually think it goes further than that up, up you know, higher up in the tree. What do you think the likelihood of saving the tree is? Uh, did this just occur this past uh, summer or yeah. fall? Yeah, just this past summer. Right. Um, how large is the tree? Is it a very big tree or a smaller tree? Oh, it's a pretty big, pretty big tree. Um, I'm going to guess three foot in diameter mm -hmm. um, and probably uh, 50 foot tall. I see. Um, lightning is very unpredictable. I've seen very small, uh, what look, what appears from the surface, very small strikes on large trees that I think that's not going to, uh, damage it at all. And then six months later, the tree is completely dead. Uh, conversely, I've seen small trees get a massive lightning strike where it looks like half the bark flew off of it and the tree's still living today. And that might've been 15 years ago. And wow. then, and then everything in between. So you really don't know uh, how much damage the interior of the tree is, has sustained when the lightning hit the tree. 
Uh, it could be a very superficial surface thing and just affected the bark and maybe a few inches into the wood. Or the, the heat of the, of the lightning ball may have just fried a lot of cells within the tree. Uh, a lot of it depends on the, the, the previous con condition of the tree prior to getting hit by lightning. It may have already had other issues than the lightning strike was just that much right. more that did it in. So what I always tell people with lightning strike, unless it's a horrific one and the tree's been compromised structurally to where it could be a hazard, but if it's, if it's not a uh, tree that's close to a structure or, or, or anything that could get damaged, um, you, you're better off doing the wait-and-see approach to see if the tree will come out. And, and chances are it probably will leaf out next year, but as in with most lightning strikes, not all, but most, um, you will have a declining effect on the tree where the tree will start to die back on most likely the side that it was struck on. And then over time, the tree may decline and, and perish over, say, a you know, three to 10-year period. Uh, but again, it's all over the boards. I've seen some trees that got hit by lightning that I thought to myself, this tree's not going to make it two or three years. And that was, you know, 12 years ago. Right. <laughs> so you, so you, is, are there any arborists in, out in our area that you can think of or can recommend? There are. If I, you I'm go to you the... If you go to the, uh, there's a site called the ISA, International Society of Arboriculture, and you can pull okay. up that website, and they have a list of the certified arborists uh, state to state. So you can look in Illinois and uh -huh. look in the Belleville. I know in Millstadt, there's a very good old uh, tree company called Hudson Tree that's been around a long time in Millstadt. Uh, okay. But there's several other ones, and, and try to get a certified arborist in your area. Uh, okay. over near Redbud, and I'm sure that would put you in the right direction as far as somebody uh, uh, competent to uh, make an assessment of the tree. All right. Okay, well, thank you. All right, Tom from Redbud, <clears throat> which I'm sure with the snowfall today, what a beautiful little town, and yeah, it's going to oh, yeah. be even prettier with the snow. It's 845. We have Vince and Kurt on deck, and we'll try to get to them before the news as we continue here on the Mike Miller Show. It's the Garden Hotline on KMOX. It is 10 minutes until 9 o'clock. We do have some accidents around, so do be careful. MoDOT is still saying that southbound 55 is closed at Broadway, so if you're in that area on 55, you'll want to have to work around that a little bit. We'll get the latest news for you at the top of the hour. Right now, Tim Gamma is sitting in for Mike Miller today, and we are going to talk with... Vince from St. Charles, and Vince, you are on with Tim Gamma. Yes, uh, I'm glad to hear uh, you have a tree guy there, because I've had a question a long time. I've got two large pin oaks, one in the front and one in the back, and they generate a lot of acorns. And this year, the squirrels have been pretty lazy, because I have a lot of acorns. Uh, I was always wondering whether I should put forth a lot of effort to rake those up, or uh, do they do anything to the soil that I should be concerned about? Uh, typically on a year where you have what I call a bumper crop of acorns, um, it can pretty much coat the lawn area. Um, you know, if, if you're in a mulch bed or a naturalized area that you're not mowing, um, you know, you just let the acorns do their thing and, and rot away. But uh, sometimes it's such a heavy layer, you almost have to rake them off a lawn area because... Uh, as they break down, uh, as with oak leaves, they are pretty acidic, um, and just uh, they can get so thick they can probably inhibit the growth of the of the of the turf. 
So um, it depends on where the tree is located, but if it's in a lawn setting, you probably are better off raking up a lot of those acorns or, to uh, and you know dispose of them in some oh, other part so of the my yard. my inclination is to work harder. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've often wondered about those acorns. They're pretty hard, and I didn't figure they'd rot very fast. Yeah, it takes a while for them to decompose. There's kind of woody material, so it's not like a leaf where it's, you know, it can decompose a, a little faster. Although oak leaves are pretty thick, too, and they take a while to decompose as well. But, uh, but yeah, in your lawn, you're, you're probably better off trying to rake up the, uh, the majority of them uh, just for the sake of the turf. I mean, do you, know, do you think the squirrels pick them up all year or just uh, certain times of the year? Uh, you know, they're pretty busy all year long, so... Uh, I had, I had a customer one time uh, that they figured out they had about 40 to 50 squirrels in their in one front yard uh, with two oh. pin oak trees. So that tells you how many squirrels. There's an enormous amount of squirrels in the environment, and uh, so they're busy, uh, you know, going after acorns and other uh, berries and other, you know, seed pods oh. of other trees and so forth throughout the uh, growing throughout the whole year. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, and they're going after my bird feeder sometimes, the too. The bird feeder, too, right. I think we have enough time to squeeze Kurt in before the top of the hour news. He is calling from St. Charles. Hello, Kurt. Yeah, hey, Tim. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I had a question. Um, can you give me a on uh, tree pruning? What's the best time of year? Maintenance and some canopies I like to raise up. You got white pines and burning bushes and all that kind of Right. Uh, typically, you know, the, the old, the old answer was, you know, you want to prune in the fall or, or maybe late spring. Um, the, the more correct answer is you could prune a tree any time of year, provided it's pruned properly. Um, so the only times we typically avoid pruning is if it's brutally cold or, uh, and on the other side of the coin, if it's, if it's very, very hot, uh, we tend to avoid those okay. two extremes. Uh, there are also, there's some trees, um, elm trees, which there aren't too many anymore, um, and some oaks that can get uh, what's called oak wilt disease that we avoid certain times of the year, which is typically in June and July, uh, to avoid pruning those particular types of trees because of the spread of a particular disease that, that could be in the environment that when you make the cut, it may expose the tree to uh, to these disease organisms. So. Beyond that, overall, uh, and especially a season we're having now where it's been pretty mild, uh, you could you can prune the trees uh, at any time, uh, again, provided they're pruned properly. I always kind of use a rule of thumb around Valentine's Day. I didn't know if that's, that might be a bit cold, huh? Uh, well, typically by then or, or, or just after that, typically the, the hard part of the winter has passed in most years. And so that this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. That, okay. that does begin a, a good time of year. And sometimes... I maybe people, heard that from Mike one time. He might have said that on his right. program. But. And sometimes in the spring, you'll you'll cut a limb, say, on a maple tree, and the, and the sap ooze out of it, and people kind of get very upset about that, or they think they're hurting <laughs> the tree. Sure. But, but frankly, uh, that's, uh, that's really not a, a big problem with trees if you see the sap uh, coming out of there after okay. you cut the limb off. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, my pleasure. Okay, so you think as soon as the snow is out of here, as long as we're not in the bitter cold, it'd be okay to start working on the trees again? You can. The dormant season's always a good time to prune trees. And, you know, again, although you never know what another week's going to bring, we could be <laughs> minus five. You know, in, in, in Missouri, you just never know what the weather's going to do. So uh, typically, uh, you know, you kind of hedge yourself by maybe getting into February. But but uh, it, again, it kind of depends, and an arborist would know, you know, if there's certain trees that can be pruned, um, and and maybe certain trees that you should avoid, uh, given the, the the whatever the the temperature is. All right, again, that's Tim Gamma, the co-owner of Gamma Tree Experts. He's a horticulturist, a board-certified master arborist, and the chair of the Tree Care Industry Association of America. So it's good to have Tim in this morning. As he is in for Mike Miller, who is off today, I'm Brian Kelly, and I'll be here to take your calls. We'll both be here. I'll take the call. He'll answer the question at 436-7900-1800-925-1120. And Mike is out, so I'm going to take off my my hat with a little press sign in it, the reporter hat, and put on my gardening gloves, which actually, Tim Gamma, I found at the Winter Classic because I wore... My, my winter gardening outfit, you know, one of those full body suits, and right. I reached into my pocket, and there were my St. Louis Blues gardening gloves. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured the last time I wore this, I was gardening, so that was uh, that's pretty good. So how are you doing this morning, Tim? Good start, huh? I'm very good, yes. Uh, a little snowy weather, but uh, like I said before, with the snow, actually the, the uh, plant material, uh, especially evergreens, uh, what's great about the snow is the snow gets underneath the plant. Sometimes you get a heavy rain and you have a real large evergreen and it almost serves as an umbrella and you can go after a rain unless it's a very uh, a rain that 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 went for you know hours and hours but you can mm-hmm. get a shower and it's still dry underneath an evergreen tree the, gr- the ground. 
Uh, so it's with snow, it kind of blows underneath there and it soaks in. So snow is, is very good, especially for evergreen trees, but for all plants, uh, because it can penetrate and get underneath uh, near the root system of the trees versus maybe just a, a rain shower. And it's nice on a Saturday morning when most people can sit back at home, relax. Maybe you have a cup of coffee by the fire and watch it snow. It's a good way to start the day. That's right. A good way to start the, the day is by talking to Richard from Ladue. And he is on now uh, with Tim Gamma on the Garden Hotline. Good morning, Richard. Hi. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but does it hurt the evergreen an evergreen tree to take to leave the Christmas lights on it? No, it really doesn't, although some people um, make an art form of it and leave them on for years and years, and, and that could be problematic. I've seen Christmas lights kind of uh, uh, girdle uh, the stem of small trees that they have them wrapped around the trunk, which, you know, makes a nice look, but then they, they decide to leave them on for several years, and then that becomes problematic. But uh, as far as, you know, obviously today people aren't going to be outside taking the Christmas lights off. Uh, if you're going to go another couple weeks, a month, even even five or six months, you're not going to hurt anything in that time frame uh, to take the lights off. Uh, but for most plants, uh, it's it's uh, advisable to take the take the Christmas tree lights off, uh, you know, after the season and, and not have them on year to year. Okay. Um, I have another question. Does uh, do the uh, the treatments for I have two ash trees out front, two pretty uh, mature ash trees. Does does the yearly treatment for the emerald ash borer do any good or not? Um, it really does, you know, provided it's uh, treated properly. Uh, there are proven methods. Uh, we're kind of the beneficiary in the St. Louis area of a, of a lot of uh, trial and error and research by chemical companies and, and many competent arborists and researchers that have been battling the emerald ash borer in northern states, especially in Michigan and Ohio and uh, Wisconsin and, and upper Illinois around the Chicagoland area. Uh, they've been battling this, this pest for, you know, probably going on 20 years or more. And so there's been, uh, I've seen, I've, I've sat through seminars where they've shown pictures of one side of a street that was treated annually and the other side of the street that was never treated. And all the trees on the one side of the street are dead, and all wow. the trees on the other side of the street are alive. Uh, now it's never a hundred percent effective, but you you these the chemical treatments that most all the arborists are using today um, have been trial and error. All that all the trial and error is kind of out of it. They're they're effective chemicals. Um, most uh, most of the ash are being treated with an injection that's injected into the trunk of the tree with a, a very effective chemical. Again, that's been proven to work. Uh, you know, the the key is to get the the proper coverage that for the uptake to to cover the the entire tree. Um, and then there are some what we call a drench treatment, which you can place an, another type of chemical or two chemicals mixed together at the base of the tree that soaks in at the base of the trunk and is absorbed through the root flares and through the roots of the tree and go up into the tree system systemically in that way. So uh, okay. a lot of some companies, including ours, if you have a very valuable tree, um, the, the injection, uh, the company that sells the injection materials and the chemical, they, they claim, you know, that it's a two-year treatment. And, and it is, and it's very effective. 
but other arborists I know that have been treating trees for many years up in northern cities, uh, and we start doing this with our own company about five years ago, is uh, the, the, the best way if you really got a valuable ash tree is to, is to inject it on one year, the next year you drench it, and then you repeat the process into the third year, you inject it again, then the fourth year you drench it, and you go back and forth so that every year the tree is treated. Um, some people might think that's overkill, but I think if you, if you have a patio area and you have a beautiful ash tree and it's the only shade you have uh, and you don't want to part ways with that tree um, to hedge yourself, you're better off having it treated annually. Um, but other arborists may disagree with that. But uh, again, there are effective chemicals available now that uh, a reputable uh, member of the St. Louis Arborist Association uh, locally uh, would uh, would have at his arsenal to treat the ash trees properly. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go now to Kirkwood. And Bob is online. What about Bob? He's on with Tim Gamma. Hey, Bob. That was a great introduction. <laughs> Bob's got his radio Hey, on. Bob, you got your radio on. Can you turn it down for us? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? We can hear you. Good. Uh, Tim, hi, this is Bob Kirsten. That name probably doesn't mean much to you, but I just wanted to reminisce a little bit if Mr. Ricker is, is okay with him. There were, I'm going back now. There were two Franks involved in my life, Frank Fazella and Frank Gamma. That's right. And uh, I did... I'm sorry. That's right. Two Frank, two uh, two good Italians there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank Fazell and I started together in southwestern Bell, and Frank branched out, as you know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I did all the trimming and spraying for Frank Frazella, but uh, I was kind of a guy who liked to stay on the ground. So <laughs> I gave, and I, I think you said. Your dad's listening, Frank's listening? Yes, my, my father, Frank, is listening. He's 86 years old, and um, I'm sure he's right. listening right now. Good. Well, I would like to say hi to him. He's a great man, hard worker, uh, very very, uh, very uh, conscientious about what he's done, and I'm, I know you know that fiber is in you. But uh, anyway, I, uh, in my... Uh, efforts uh, in my business with the trimming and spraying for Frank Frazella, I didn't want to get up off the ground so much, so I, I had a lot of referrals, and I gave them to your dad. And uh, anyway, I know I'm going back and wasting a lot of time, but uh, you folks have done a terrific job, and you, you've taken it to a new level, and, and you, know, you, you, you and your brother and your dad need to be very, 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 very proud. And just, just say hello to your dad means a lot to me. I will, and I really thank you for those kind comments. And uh, you talk about Frank Frisella. You know, I, I had two terrific mentors growing up in this business. Of course, my father, um, who um, taught me everything he knew, and then also Frank Frisella, who was a, one of the best nurserymen uh, in town and uh, really was a real plantsman as far as knowledgeable, uh, his knowledge of all the different varieties of trees and shrubs and, and uh their family business still going for Sella Nursery and uh, one of the more reputable nurseries in town. And, and uh, they're going into, uh, I believe, a third generation with their company. We're on our second generation, but we have, uh, we, I have a nephew who's going to the 
University in Kentucky and taking horticulture. And one of my sons has some interest uh, after high school of attending, possibly going into the business. So we'll probably have a third generation as well. We actually do have a third generation now because my <clears throat> my nephew, uh, my older brother's oh. son, works with us. So we're in our third generation, uh, even oh, at the right. present time. So, uh, but anyhow, yeah, we, you're you're very kind in your uh, in your comments about my dad, and and of course, uh, uh, Frank Frisella was a terrific guy. Well, you're right. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Bob. Uh, no, you're correct. Uh, Frank uh, Frisella, uh, he he wanted to, uh, he. You're correct in his expertise. He wanted me to give take 49% of his business, but I... (laughs) Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I I wasn't as hard a worker as, uh, and they say I am, as Frank Frazella or Frank Gamma. Frank Frazella lived like your dad and breathed and, and just knew the job backwards and forwards. Right, and so right. uh, I chickened out, I guess, and stayed with Southwestern Bell where Frank Frazella left there right. to form that business. But right, Tony and Babette Frazella, they, they've taken that over and, and of course, they're, they're, you know, they're children now. But anyway, I'm wasting time, but, uh, you know, thank you so much for hearing me out. All right, thank you for your call. Yeah, Take thank care. you very very much for the call, Bob. That was good stuff. Chris and Ledoux is on deck, and we're going to check in with him in just a moment. And you can join the line. Get in line at 436-7900-1800-925-1120. This is the Garden Hotline. I'm Brian Kelly. Tim Gamma sitting in this morning. For Mike Miller, we're at your service on KMOX. It is 924. Mike Miller is off, hopefully somewhere where he can hear those birds and sit out and enjoy them here on this morning. Not like here where we have the snow. It's pretty, though, but if you're out and about, do be careful. There are some accidents out there, including that westbound 44 and tire where a truck overturned earlier. They had to get a dog and two people out of it. And they did. The people are at a hospital, and you don't want to end up following them. So be careful as you drive around this morning. We'll have the complete update for you at the top of the hour. Tim Gamma is in, taking your calls at 436-7900-1800-925-1120. And Chris from Ladue has been holding for a little bit. And, Chris, we appreciate that. You are now on the air, and we're at your service. Hey, good morning, guys. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you. Great. Okay, I'm having technology problems. The phone is not playing nice with my vehicle. But anyway, hey, um, I had a couple of tree questions. Um, One, I have a neighbor who has some emerald uh, ash board problems uh, on two of his ashes. And um, I was going to help him out, and I've got some property, and I was just going to bring the debris onto my property and throw it in one of my brush piles. But then I got to thinking about it. Maybe should we just burn that debris right away and get rid of it uh, so that I don't wind up getting them? If, if I, I'm not sure I have that many ash trees, but just wondering. Yeah, you actually, it's um, it's a state law. You're not supposed to transport ash wood that's infested with uh, the emerald ash borer, you know, 
you're really they don't they're they're trying to keep people from doing that because that is uh, one of the one of the ways, and and that's basically how they figured out is probably one of the ways it entered the state of Missouri is from somebody that was camping, say up in Michigan or someplace, and they brought some firewood uh, back in their camper, and then they took it out of their camper, and that's how the and the boar was in the wood, and then it emerged from the wood and spread starts spreading through the state. Uh, that's one theory, but it's a pretty good one. Uh, so, you know, the same thing, it's probably not good to take wood from say St. Louis County and bring it to a different county, uh, because that county may not have much of a Nash, uh, bore problem yet. And you don't want to try to disseminate or speed up the process. Uh, this critter is going to spread throughout the state regardless, but, uh, you know, uh, giving it a helping hand in a vehicle, uh, probably isn't going to be a good thing. So. You're better off uh, disposing the wood, either composting it or, or burning it in, in a fireplace or an outside fireplace that you might have uh, to, uh, to kind of get rid of the pest along with the wood all at the same time. Okay, great. Um, and I, I did think of another question related to that. Do I need to do any special equipment cleanup after we cut that thing down? Uh, no, this is a, a larger critter that in the case of Dutch elm disease, that was always an issue because the, the Dutch elm disease is spread by a beetle, but the beetle carries a fungus, which is microscopic, and that can get on the tools. But in the case of the emerald ash borer, it's a larger critter and uh, obviously cannot stay on, and it's an insect, not a disease, so it, it's, uh, it doesn't stay on your, on your tools. So uh, you don't have to worry about that particular thing. If you are going to use Great. firewood or cut it up and you're going to hold it and you can't burn it all at one time because sometimes one tree can produce a lot of wood, uh, you'll want to cover the, the firewood pile with a tarp and weight it down around the side so that if the insects emerge out of the wood, out of the firewood in the spring, uh, they will have no place to go. So that's kind of another way to, to kind of in your own way try to keep this critter from spreading as bad as it's going to in its natural way. Uh, is to cover the firewood pile with the tarp and, and weight it down uh, at the base. Okay, great. Um, the other question I had is on my property, I have um, a property line that I want to, it's, it's got a bunch of old cedar trees on it, um, and I want to put some in front of it, um, and I have purchased like a backhoe and some other stuff that goes on my tractor to be able to dig them up and move them. I moved uh, about a eight foot tree and it, it was doing pretty good until I, I failed to water it daily for a while when we got real dry. But I had a couple of questions on that. One is I, I kind of remember that I'm supposed to mark the South side of those larger trees and even the smaller ones so that I face them the same way. And then also when I know I need to wait some a little, I should have gotten it done this fall and I didn't, but when can I start that process again in the spring? Um, you know, I'd say anytime when the soil's, you know, readily, um, you know, workable and it's not too muddy and, and so forth, you can begin the, uh, process of trying to transplant it. Um, I will say that the Eastern red cedars, uh, typically have a tap root and they're very, they can be very difficult to transplant. So you might, you might make an effort to transplant, say, six or eight or ten of them, but you may only get two or three that are going to that are going to make it. Uh, they're 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 tough to to transplant from one place to another, uh, given the type of root system they have. Um, your other question, um, 
about the south side of the tree. The south side. That's just a good practice when you're transplanting any tree, if you can mark it and then position it uh, face in the same direction. And that's that's a, uh, with the cedar, it probably doesn't make as much difference, but on, on a lot of shade trees, uh, that's a, a practice that nurserymen use so that uh, uh, the, the exposure to the sun, especially in the winters, the, the bark is facing the same side as, as it was in its previous location, and it keeps the, uh, the bark of the tree from getting damaged by the, by the winter sun, uh, which is called sun, sun scald. But uh, again, you know, you can try uh, to dig up the cedar trees and, and move them around. Uh, you know, it, it's, you're, you're getting the trees for free, but uh, the success rate on that might be... Uh, you know, a smaller percentage as to how many are going to make it. Typically, the smaller the tree in, in, the, in a cedar that you try to plant, uh, transplant, the more success you're going to have versus a larger one. I got you. Okay, well, thanks, Tim. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you. All right, thank you, Chris. It's 931. Tim Gamma sitting in for Mike Miller this morning. Of course, he's with Gamma Tree Experts. And we'll take your call at 436-7900-1800-925-1120. Mary's up next. After this. And again, Mike Miller is off this weekend. Uh, this was planned, so uh, nothing to worry about. He'll be back. I'm Brian Kelly. Tim Gamma is taking your calls. Of course, he and his brother Tom own Gamma Tree Experts. Now, he's second, they're second generation, but he said he does have a third generation working with him now. So That's they're, right. They're My cousin Frank uh, is uh, he's actually 40 years old, so he's not a young kid, but. But he's worked for us, actually, probably his whole, for 20 years he's worked for us. But he does, he does a terrific uh, job and uh, very talented. He's actually has a degree in horticulture, and he's a certified arborist as well. Uh, so very talented young man. Outstanding. It's good stuff. Let's go to Mary. She is in St. Louis, and she is next on the Garden Hotline. Good morning, Mary. Hi. I have a question. We would like to plant some red maples. Are there any health issues with the red maple from boars or scales or anything? Uh, no, the red maple is a is an excellent shade tree. It's it's somewhat overplanted in St. Louis County because uh, they do transplant easy. So a lot of builders and and landscapers like to plant them because uh, they typically will root in and take, which is a good thing. Uh, it's just sometimes uh, we feel there may be. Uh, an abundance of them uh, planted, kind of like what the, you know, the sweet gum and the pin oak and ash trees were all kind of overly planted in St. Mm -hmm. Louis County back in the 50s and 60s. And and kind of the red maple is kind of the, <laughs> the go-to tree now as far as people planting a lot of them. But when you see a beautiful red maple tree in fall color and there's a lot of terrific varieties, uh, there's one called red sunset and there's uh, red point and there's there's all kinds of varieties. Uh, there's a there's one that's a cross called Autumn Blaze, but there's many that are selected because of their uh, superior fall color, and that's one of the primary reasons why you plant a red maple because they do have terrific fall color. Uh, mm -hmm. There's really no insect and disease issues with the red maple. the The biggest problem that red maples encounter is they get what what are called girdling girdling roots, and a girdling root is a root that Instead of growing out and away from the trunk, it circles the stem um, and can choke off the lower part of the tree after about a 15 or 20 year period or, or longer. So you have to watch a girdling root problem. Typically that is because the tree was planted too deep. So whoever plants the red maple 
<clears throat> you want to make sure it's planted at the proper level and even planted slightly, what I call slightly on the high side, is better than planting it too deep uh, because this exacerbates the girdling root uh, situation. So as long as you're cognizant of the possible girdling root situation and you're, you're having that uh, inspected either by an arborist or you visually inspecting it to make sure that, uh, that that's not occurring, uh, the red maple is is a, certainly a nice uh, shade tree to be planted in the landscape. We're going to plant it in hard clay and a lot of rocks. That's yeah, they're pretty resilient. They're planted in pretty much all conditions. They're pretty forgiving, and that's why they're kind of a good go-to tree. One mm -hmm. other comment on the red maple tree is uh, they can get what's called sun scald or what's also called southwest injury. Uh, so that happens on the southwest side of the trunk. So when you plant a new red maple tree, it's always good to put, uh, sometimes you'll see the trunk is wrapped with a, um, a plastic material or the trunk is covered with some type of a cone. Um, there's different uh, products out there, but that is to protect the, the uh, stem from the direct sun on the southwest side of the tree in the wintertime. And mm -hmm. uh, how that occurs is when the sun is shining on the bark of a young tree like that in the winter, is say it gets up to 35 degrees and the, and the warm the sun is, is heating up that side of the trunk, but then the sun goes behind a cloud or the sun goes down or the temperature drops significantly. When you have the severe temperature drop and it was the, the trunk, that side of the trunk was warm and now it's, you know, very, very frozen or cold, it damages the bark. So you want to, you're basically shading that side of the trunk with some type of a shield or plastic material uh, until the tree's bark gets thicker, then it resists that. But for about the first five years that you plant a red maple tree, uh, the stem should be covered in the wintertime uh, to prevent the sun scald from occurring. Okay. And how far apart should we plant them? We want, we're thinking of three trees. They, they usually have a spread, I would say, most red maples of, of 35 or 40 feet. So, you know, you'd have to plant them, you know, at least, at least 30 feet away from each other in order for them to uh, not completely shade an area. But some people plant them in a grove where you can plant them closer. But then uh, one thing with red maple trees and sugar maple trees, they, can't, they cast a pretty dense shade. So if you have them close, um, it's long-term, it's going to be difficult to grow any turf underneath there um, unless you decide you want to have a, a, you know, a mulch bed and you have them within a mulch bed and you're not worried mm -hmm. about turf. But it can okay. be, uh, they can cast a pretty dense shade. So if you plant them far enough apart in a lawn setting, uh, you'll be able to have enough sunshine around the canopy of the tree in order to keep the, uh, the, the lawn, uh, you know, and the turf uh, having enough sunshine to grow. Okay. Could I ask one more question? Sure. Are they somewhat deer resistant, or do we have to protect them from deer? Yeah, the because it's just out in the country. The uh, the panels that you put on there for the sun scald also can serve as a deer protective uh, device as okay. well on the trunk because the deer do like not only red maples but any small diameter tree, and they tend to uh, the the bucks tend to rub their horns on it to mark their territory. And that mm -hmm. really sets a tree back when that occurs. If you're out in the country and you have a, a lot of deer, although it seems like St. Louis County has an enormous amount of deer now too, uh, it's become more and more of a nuisance every year. 
but uh, you may even have to put a small fence, uh, like a four or five foot fence around the tree um, to keep the deer away from the trees as well until the tree, uh, until the trunk diameter of the tree grows enough to where it could withstand the damage that a deer can inflict on it. Okay, great. Thank you. You've been uh, very helpful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. Thank you for calling, Mary, and for listening. We're going to get to Lita in just a moment. Why don't we go to Lita right now? She is listening and calling this morning from St. Charles. Hello, Lita. We're at your service. Hello, Lita. Hello, Lita. You there? Yes, hello. There she is. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um. We're going to be moving into a new villa in a couple of months, and um, I hadn't thought about the trees yet, but I'm glad you're having this discussion this morning. We're probably it's going to be a small yard, um, and I'm thinking we'll probably want a couple of trees in the backyard and one between the street and the sidewalk, and then I want some sort of flowering tree in the in the front too, and. I'm going to turn this radio down. Okay. Um, what would you all suggest for that? So if uh, a villa, it's probably a smaller, um, you know, yes. size lot. Uh, so yeah. you, you want to choose a tree that, you know, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, it's not, a tree's not going to get enormous and just take over the entire space. Uh, so, but there are plenty of what I call medium-sized trees to choose from that can provide some shade, uh, not all of them flowering trees, but uh, certainly something along the lines of a Japanese maple or flowering magnolias. Um, there's also a, a maple called an amber maple. Um, even the, we talked about a black gum tree earlier today. Uh, those, those, they grow pretty slow. They don't get enormous until, you know, they're like 70 years old. But, um, you know, there's certainly plenty of, Tree selections that are that are good for small spaces, and uh, you know you could do a little research on that, or talk to a, a reputable uh, nursery, and I'm sure they could uh, give you you know a list of uh, half a dozen trees to pick from that would be uh, appropriate. Um, you know some other native flowering trees are flowering dogwoods or flowering redbuds uh, that uh, that do not you know achieve enormous size. There's also a Kusa dogwood, which um, is a beautiful uh, dogwood tree, and I think even a little more forgiving than the regular native flowering dogwood. And and they bloom; their blooming periods more like in May. Um, but a a beautiful uh, tree that does not uh, get very large. It would be nice for a smaller lot as well. So there's there's plenty of choices. I I would uh, you know research it and and get some good advice from a a good. Uh, reputable nursery, and uh, I'm sure they'll they'll put you on to some uh, selections that would be appropriate for your lot. The maple trees you were talking about earlier, um, like for the backyard, mm-hmm. how big, how tall do they get? Uh, Japanese maple, I, I have one that's about 60 years old in my front yard, and it's about probably about 25 to 30 feet tall. Uh, but naturally, okay. that's an older tree. But there's there's many varieties of Japanese maples. Some get taller, some some stay shorter. Um, the Ammer maple tree I mentioned, um, it's more of a it can be more of a multi-stem tree, but it can get about the same size, 25, 30, 35 feet. Um, you know, I just don't know if you want to plant 
a, an oak or a maple or something like that that's going to get 50, 60, 70, 80 no, feet tall. No, 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 um, no. You know, and, uh, but uh, uh, again, you know, there's a, there's a multitude, there's linden trees and, uh, you know, a multitude of other tree species that, uh, that could be appropriate for your, your size uh, uh, yard okay. that you have. Okay. All right, Lita. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling and listening, Lita. Appreciate it. It's 946. And once again, Mike is out. Tim Gamma is in to take your questions. I'm Brian Kelly to answer the phones. Well, actually, Abby is answering the phones, doing a great job for us here this morning. And we're going to get to Mike in St. Charles in just a moment. But first, Tim Gamma, you had a couple of websites you want to tell our listeners about. Yeah, I'd like to share these two websites with the listeners uh, to, to get real good tree care information. One is uh, ISA, which stands for the International Society of Arboriculture, but it's isa-arbor.org. And then the other organization is Tree Care Industry Association, and that's at tcia.org. Both of these websites have an enormous amount of uh, consumer information for uh, the care of trees, shrubs, and evergreens that would be helpful uh, to to anyone that's, uh, that needs them. Um, or you can go to gammatree.com, and we have a lot of helpful information on our website as well. Okay, what were those two again? Uh, TCIA.org or ISA-Arbor.org. All right, very good. Let's now go to Mike. He's in St. Charles, and he's now on KMOX. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, uh, I planted a couple of small um, uh, cypress tree seedlings, and uh, I moved. I just last week, and I moved away the uh, leaves, so the ground wasn't frozen. Uh, do you think they have a chance to survive, or what can I do to help them? Uh, the cypress trees are pretty resilient, and um, you know, as long as you keep them watered, I would you probably put you could put those leaves back around them as far as that goes to keep the the uh, moisture, you know, the ground from drying out around them. But uh, you know, they're a pretty tough tree. Sometimes with little seedlings, you might plant eight or ten of them, and you'll get four or five or six that make it. Sometimes people will get a hundred percent that make it. But they're they're a native tree to Missouri, and and, a, and should. Uh, uh, root in readily. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, Mike. We now go to Joe in Ledoux. And Joe, you're on with Tim Gamma. Hello, Joe. Good morning. Hello. Let me turn my radio off. Okay. Right. I've been cut off of uh, sound for the last seven minutes. <laughs> oh, can you hear us? I can now. Okay. You I'm have about, you we're, or about at a time, you have about a minute. All right. Uh, who are you with? The tree man. Who, who uh, are they the with? The gamma tree experts. Gamma tree. Okay. Uh, I got a pecan tree. I had pruned about two, three years ago. Prior to that time, I've been getting 50 to 60 pounds a year of hand-picked hulled uh, pecans off of it. I haven't had anything in the last two years, three years since I pruned it. But I've got all the doggone growth back on the top, mm -hmm. and I'm not getting any filling growth. Yeah, it probably is going to take some time for the tree to, um, you know, grow out to the point. Most of the uh, the nuts that are produced are at the terminal ends of the branches, and they have to be at, at, of a certain maturity of that age branch in order to produce them. Uh, in addition, sometimes the weather 
uh, affects year to year how many, what type of crop of uh, nuts that you may uh, get on in any given year. So it, it sounds like uh, you're just going to have to kind of wait it out until they, they return uh, to the tree. The trouble is, it's, it's, since I said since I have to handpick them to beat the squirrels, right? <laughs> no, that's a that's the squirrels are always an issue when it comes to so any uh, anyone trying to have a nut tree. And handpick them, you know, we test them and then they say mm-hmm. if we're right, we we get them. That's right. And uh, but I got all the doggone top growth back and nothing in the middle. Is there how is there any way that they can force? growth into the middle and, and top, the, I mean, top it down to maybe mm-hmm. like you see these pecan groves. Yeah, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a specialty way of pruning. Typically, if you can thin out the and get more light to the middle of the tree, you can encourage some new sprouts to come through the middle, but it's uh, it's kind of a long-term process. That's Tim Gamma, done a great job filling in for Mike Miller this morning. Thanks for your calls on the Garden Hotline. It's 9.57. The news is next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.